you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 2, and I'll get there, I promise you, in just a moment. We want to welcome you that are watching online today. So glad that you've joined us. Um, I want to ask that you would participate by doing something. Let me find my passage there. Um, Here's what I want you to message in if you're watching online today is when you were a child, what was your favorite Christmas present? And just uh, message us that and let us know. And uh, seems kind of corny, but it brings back good memories. And so, so glad that you're watching. The rest of you, just give an air high five to somebody else just so that they uh, know. Do it, do it, do it, do it. I know y'all think this is strange, but... This is uh, the COVID way of doing things, and so I'm not going to let him be the Grinch uh, to, to steal our Christmas from us. Uh, but we're in the middle of a series called A Thrill of Hope, and today we're talking about A Weary World Rejoices. I, I don't know if you've ever had somebody come up to you and say, well, I've got good news and I've got bad news. And uh, I, I don't know how you fall in that category. I usually want the bad news first and to get it over with, but the good news never measured up. Uh, we're just in our thinking. It just doesn't measure up. And we get the good news and bad news. I, I, I read about a man who loved golf, and he loved it tremendously, and he got visited by an angel, and the angel said, you can ask me anything that you want to ask me. And he said, he said, oh, man, he said, I love golf. He said, There's, is there golf in heaven? And the angel said, well, I got good news and bad news. He said, the good news is, yes, there's golf in heaven. It is gorgeous. It's The, the, the grass is immaculate. The greens are incredible. Uh, the beauty of it, it's matchless. It's greater than anything you would ever imagine on this planet. He said, man, that sounds great. What's the bad news? Said you've got a tea time next Wednesday, and uh, so you know you got to. Now that's not bad news to go to heaven, but but uh, still, is that good news, bad news uh, uh, situation? You know, this year has been a good news, bad news a little bit. Um, the bad news has been just the weirdness of it. I mean, we know the the COVID. That's one thing, and that's you know I, I was thinking of it this way a month ago. I knew somebody who knew somebody who had COVID. Now, uh, I know very closely people that have had the COVID. I'm, I'm not in their social tracking, thank goodness. But, uh, you know, that's that way that it's, it's come. It's been a weird, weird year. And, and, uh, we're, we're talking about when the birth of Jesus came. We're talking about this thrill of hope. In the first century, you've you got to understand some things a little bit, is that, especially for the Jewish people, that they, they were in a very weary situation. You know, in scriptures, we have Genesis through Malachi, which is the Old Testament, and then we have a moment, uh, a time of silence in the scriptures, and then Matthew, Mark, Luke, John come along. Well, there had been a 400 years before, between the two, the last of Malachi and the first of Matthew. And uh, that 400 years there, not that God was silent, but it seemed that way a little bit to the people. 
And in the midst of that, what had happened in Israel is the Romans had come and occupied. The, they, the Romans saw it as the armpit of the world to serve in. So they were very harsh on the Jewish people. The taxes were incredible. Spiritually, they were dry bones because the Pharisees had taken uh, the, the laws of God, the covenant of God, and turned it into a legalism kind of thing. They were just weary, and, and, and they were thinking, God, where are you uh, in the midst of this? And so it was a very weary time for that, and they needed some good news. Now, um, when it comes to good news, that's, that's something we don't grasp too good. And, and when Jesus came, it was all good news. It was like the, the preschool that was doing their, their annual nativity where the kids played different parts, you know, and one little girl got the part of the angel. And uh, she goes home to tell her mom, Mom, I'm the angel and I have a speaking part. And the mom says, what are you supposed to say? And, and she said, uh, uh, this is what I say. I bring you gr- good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people, that unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the King. And the mom is just thinking, man, that's incredible. She, she knocked it out of the park. You know, she's going to be the best angel that ever has been in nativity scenes. And so they come to the night of the performance. The crowd is in there. The lights hit her. And sure enough, the little angel freezes. And she can't remember her line at all. And all she can get out is, Boy, have I got great news. And, uh, you know, that's what happened at Christmas. Boy, have I got great news. It is good news. And uh, last week we talked about Mary, this teenage girl who uh, visited by the angel Gabriel. She uh, finds out she's going to give birth to the Savior of the world, Jesus, and she accepts that role that God gave her. Today we're skipping over the birth. We'll come back to the birth of Jesus we're going to pick it up in verse 25, and we're going to talk about a guy by the name of Simeon today. Now, Joseph and Mary are bringing Jesus to Jerusalem to the temple, okay? Just so that you know, there will not be a quiz, but so that you understand geography, Bethlehem is not far at all from uh, Jerusalem, where the temple was. Uh, today, it's just the suburbs, but that, then it would have been a, a walk to get there. And so they come to the temple. There would have been three reasons for this young couple to bring Jesus to the temple. One was um, uh, because eight days later, Jesus is circumcised. They would have done that at the temple. Uh, Secondly, purification rites for Mary. After 40 days, a woman uh, made a sacrifice of purification. But thirdly, which is probably the reason that Mary and Joseph is coming, is because a Jewish family would take their firstborn male and dedicate that child to the Lord. Firstborn male, dedicate that child to the Lord. And the chances are that's what they were coming to do. And if you read a little bit uh, previous, <clears throat> the sacrifice that Mary and Joseph made was two uh, pigeons. Now, pigeons... Today are very cheap animals. They were cheap. They were cheap then too. In fact, this was the only offering they could afford to give, which was a uh, showed that Mary and Joseph were in an impoverished situation. But they came to present this so that they could present Jesus as the firstborn. Now, 
that's where we pick it up. So it'll make sense when we read today. So Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Let's, let me read it all and then we'll come back and unpack it. It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ or or anointed one or Messiah. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Now, let me describe Simeon to you because it's going to help as we get into this. Simeon is uh, the word also for Simon. So Simon Peter, it would be the same thing. Simeon, rock, is what it means. But uh, that's, that's not so important. But I want you to try to understand that he is very Jewish and uh, he grew up under the Jewish law. He went to the temple outer courts on a daily basis. Uh, he was an elderly gentleman. In fact, chances are, you see, in 63 BCE is when uh, Pompey came and ransacked Jerusalem. And in that ransacking is when Rome took over that area, okay? So he was probably alive, and so he was a weary guy thinking, God, what are you going to do here? We've been putting up with this a long, long time. And so this is Simeon. Now, notice what the Scripture says. It says he was devout, uh, uh, he was righteous and devout. Now, what does that mean? Uh, you know, we say somebody's righteous. Uh, what, what does that really mean? Well, righteous described his way of living. He was a righteous. He was in, seeking to live his life in purity, holiness, live it before the Lord. Devout means it's to hold on tightly to. So in other words, he is holding on tightly to his faith and the promises of God that are to come. So he's living a particular way. You see, to me, uh, when I hear this, somebody tells me that they're a follower of Jesus and they say that they're devout to that, I'm thinking your life better reflect it, you know? I mean, don't don't tell me something and your life doesn't reflect it. And so he was righteous and he was devout. And it says this, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Not constellation, he wasn't looking at stars. He, the consolation. Now, what in the world does consolation mean? Here's what it means. It means he was looking for the hope and peace and comfort that was going to come to Israel, which was going to be in the Messiah. He was going to be the king, which was the promised one. Isaiah had said he's coming. 
Ezekiel said, I mean, he had been prophesied. So when he says he's waiting the consolation of Israel, he is waiting for the Messiah, the comfort, the peace, the, the one who is to come, okay? So every day, probably, he would come to the outer court. He wouldn't be in the inner court. He would be in the outer court. And can you imagine this old man that every young couple that comes in with a baby boy he is just looking at them thinking, is this the one? Is this the one who is going to be the Messiah? And uh, he, would, he would look, and it would not uh, be the case. And this particular day, though, and I love, what, uh, I love what Luke said. See, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, the four Gospels and the four first books in the New Testament, are like different camera angle lenses on the life of Jesus. And Luke... Uh, who was very factual in his approach to things. I think it was because he was a medical doctor. It was very factual. But one thing about Luke, you read through the Gospel of Luke, he mentions the Holy Spirit more than any other uh, Gospel. He talks about the Holy Spirit. In fact, he says three times in this passage I read today that uh, uh, Simeon was under the influence of the Holy Spirit. He was guided by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was upon him. I love that. I love that the fact that uh, Simeon was walking in the Spirit and the Spirit triggered in his heart, this is the one. This is the one you've been waiting for. And uh, so if you're taking notes, I want to make point number one here. And point number one is, is, is this. Jesus reveals himself to the hungry, seeking heart. You see, Simeon every day was seeking for this deliverer who was to come. And it's the same thing today. When, when you have a heart that's seeking after God, that he allows you to find him. And let me share some scripture with you. Hebrews eleven six says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Deuteronomy four twenty nine. But if from... But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Matthew 7, 7, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. And this is a continuous action. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Listen, you, most of you in this room, I know your story. You're a follower of Jesus, but yet you're still continually pursuing and seeking after him. You're called to do that. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on pursuing. Don't pull to the side of the road and say, oh, I've done it all. I walked the aisle. I prayed the little prayer. I signed the card. I was baptized. No, you keep on pursuing and keep on seeking him. But here's the deal. In our culture today... Our hunger for and thirsting after the things of God has been just cut tremendously. You see very little of the hunger. Uh, I was, in fact, I was reading in Amos of all places this morning for my quiet time, and at the and Amos said there there comes a day when there will be a fasting, not fasting from food and water, but a fasting from hearing the word of God. And I'm afraid we're living in that time of starvation today, of hearing from the Word of God. 
and and not about the world. I mean about the church. Uh, we're, I mean, how's your hunger and thirst right now? Now, I think there are some things that are cutting our appetite for the things of God. Uh, number one is what I call WMDs, weapons of mass distraction. We are distracted. You know, you know, something happens and it, we're quickly squirrel. You know, we're off out at there in outer space, just turning away. And, and we have so many distractions that busyness it just seems, even though we've been isolated at home, we still are, you know, you would think that maybe in this isolation, stay at home time, this would be give us a time to fall more in love with the Lord, reading his word, listening to worship music, prayer, these kind of things. But most people I talked to said, no, that, that, that hasn't been the case. Well, why is it? Because we are so distracted. And there are so many things. We, we cannot spend a minute away from our phones. We carry our phone around in the house with us in case something's going to happen. Like we can't get to it on the other side of the house. Because we're so distracted and absorbed in, in things. So number one, cut, cutting our appetite is distraction. Uh, number two would be what I call junk food. We're, you know, when, when I was little, when you were little, you would find a plate of cookies, especially around the holidays. There's stuff up in the office right now. Uh, you gotta be careful. And if it's close to dinner time, you as a kid, as an adult, as a man, 61 years old, I want to take a cookie and, uh, I'm going to take that cookie. But mom would say this. Don't eat that right now. You're going to spoil your dinner. I mean, it just makes sense. And so that's what she would say. You're going to spoil your dinner. Well, I think even us that are followers of Jesus are snacking so much on the things of the world that it's spoiling our appetite for truth. And, and look at the media. Look at social media. We're, we're feeding on, on these things and, and the news even. What do you believe? What can you believe? I mean, the truth is just, is just so far from us. And so we're eating on this. And what it does is it creates fear, anxiety in our lives instead of feasting on the Word of God and on prayer and who He is. And that's what is taking place. Uh, one, uh, a third thing that I see in cutting our appetite, there's an eating disorder called anorexia. Anorexia is when you basically starve your body. You don't, you don't take in any nutrients. You don't take in any food. And uh, what you're doing is you're starving your body. And, and then if you go too far, your body will just continue to deteriorate until uh, uh, you, you die. But anorexia, you don't take in any nutrients. I'm afraid that we live in a day that's, hear me, biblically illiterate, and, and people will say, well, Mark, I've tried it, I get bored, and this kind of stuff. The way I look at it is this. I, 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 it, it's, a, it's a discipline in my life going back to when I was a teenager because I was taught the importance of getting into the Word of God that every year I'll re- read through the Scriptures. I do it bite-size by bite-size. And is every day a world-altering time? No. But, you know, uh, Pam and I have been married uh, for 41 years, and uh, she has fed me a lot of meals during that time. And you can tell I haven't missed many. 
and uh, and she will feed me those meals. I don't remember all. Some of them weren't great. Most of them have been great. But, you know, I still ate. I still needed that intake. And so I, what I'm sharing with you is, is don't be uh, anorexic in your, in your hungering after God. Take it in. Uh, one last one that I'll share with you that I think is uh, killing us today is what we call instant gratification. In other words, we want it and we want it when? Now. We want it right now. I mean, microwave, fast food, uh, which was created to give us more time, has made us just determined that we want it and we want it now. When I was a kid, when it came to Christmas time, uh, we would have uh, what what was called the Sears Wish Book or the uh, J.C. Penney Christmas catalog, you know what I'm talking about? And you would look through there and you see the toys and see everything and your eyes would be huge. And if uh, mom and dad ordered anything out of there, it would take weeks. And, and how about this layaway? You know, we look at a generation doesn't even know what layaway is. You used to have to pay for it before you got it. That's weird. Now we just, we just uh, purchase it. And, and we want, and Amazon's so smart, they have it on your porch before you order it. I mean, that's just the way it is. And so we want things, and we want it now. Paul told young Timothy, he said, train yourself for godliness. Training, any of you have ever gone through training to get yourself in shape, it takes some time and effort and it's the same thing in a hungering and thirsting after God, seeking after Him. You want to hunger and thirst after Him. So, Jesus is reveals, reveals Himself to the hungry, seeking heart. Now, we get into the rest of the scripture in that we start hearing the proclamation of Simeon. Uh, look at verse 29. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen. So, we do parent commitment times here when babies are born. Or some people call them baby dedications, but they're parent commitment times. Can you imagine Mary and Joseph coming in with this little infant, and you got this old guy that comes over and says, Can I hold your baby? But Mary, man, everything, her world's been rocked already. She allows, and he takes that baby, and he looks at it, and he says, Lord, you have allowed me to see your deliverer. The word deliverer in Hebrew, which he would have been saying, is Yeshua. I'm holding Yeshua. I'm holding your Yeshua. And he was Jesus. He was the deliverer. Now, point number two is this, is that... uh, that Jesus, uh, excuse me, is that salvation is in a person and not a process. Salvation is in a person, not a process. Uh, Simeon didn't look at that baby and said, oh, now I can go keep the laws. I can go do the rituals because I've seen this baby. No, he looks at the baby and he says, I have seen with my eyes the deliverer that is to come. You see, your faith is not based on what you do. It's on who you know. 
And it's in Jesus alone. And so many times we wait for things to align perfectly. If I get my life together, if I start going to church regularly, if I do these things to get the process right, then I'm good enough for God. No, it's in Christ alone. What he did at the cross is plenty for you, and that's where you need to put your faith. Um, Sometimes our lives uh, are like, imagine a sailboat that you were on that's pushed out into the the lake and there's no breeze and the ma- the you got the mast but no sail is up and so you're not moving anywhere and you think I'm supposed to be moving so what you do is you grab the mast and you start shaking or you tr- start trying to row the best you can but you're not really making any headway because why you were meant to uh, catch the breeze and to sail sometimes we're living our lives oh I'm shaking the mast or I'm trying to row trying to work up this energy, and maybe if I work up this energy, I'll be acceptable to God. No, you're only acceptable through Jesus Christ. There was an Indian chief, and he came, became a follower of Jesus, and the tribe asked him, what, what is it like to follow Jesus? What is it like to, to come to a knowledge of Jesus? And he tried to explain it to them, and they weren't grasping it. So he took a pile of leaves, and he put the pile of leaves here, and he found a caterpillar, and he took the caterpillar, put him in the center of the leaves, and then he set the leaves on fire. And as the fire got closer and closer to the caterpillar, he reached in, snatched the caterpillar out, and he said this to them. He said, I was the worm. I was the caterpillar. In other words, what happened is, is I am going to be consumed, if not for the loving grace of God, love reached down, and rescue me. Love reached down and set me free is what we sang. And you see, it's not, listen, it's not rocket science. The problem is, though, we have a hard time understanding that we're flawed and broken and sinful. And until we come to that point, we will never accept the Savior. So it's in a person, not a process. Now, Simeon goes on to talk about notice what he says in verse 31 he says that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the gentiles and for glory to your people israel write this down as the third point jesus is for every man woman child jesus is for every man woman and child he says for all peoples now what is a gentile a gentile is anybody that's not of jewish descent so people fell into two categories you had you were either jewish or you were gentile most of us in this room are gentiles i'm a gentile i I, I, there's nothing of jewish heritage in me i am a gentile and uh, the scriptures simeon gives an incredibly prophetic word here this isn't for just the religious this isn't just for those who keep the law this is for every man that that means when I read that, I can put my name in there, that Jesus is for me. He is for me. He came and gave forgiveness to me. He offered it to me. But here's the situation. Yesterday, uh, we had all our family together. It was the time when we all could get together for Christmas. We had a spread of food. I mean, it was a spread. 
And we were all hungry, and so we're ready to jump into that spread. But imagine whatever your family situation is. You have a spread of food, and you got the hungry people there. But listen, that spread can be there. You have to partake of the, of the spread that's there. In other words, God sent Jesus, but you have to respond. You must respond by faith. It's not a universalist thing. Well, Jesus came. He did provide salvation for all men. But we know the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the offering has been made. You have to partake and receive it. Let's look at the last portion. Simeon now talks to Mary and Joseph, and Mary in particular. says, Behold, this child is appointed or destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. He says this, and Jesus even said he, he would be divisive in families. And uh, he says this, your son, Jesus, he is going to be a division. He is going to be, many will stumble and fall over him. Many will stumble and rise over him. You know what I'm talking about. Some people respond to Jesus. Some don't respond to Jesus. Uh, get, get, you think Jesus isn't divisive? Get in a crowded elevator sometime and just say the name of Jesus, not cussing. But just say the name of Jesus and just sense the bristle that comes through the room. I mean, it's a divisiveness about Jesus. And, and, uh, and Jesus said the world is going to hate you. But uh, I, I looked at that rising and falling. I looked at the last hours of Jesus' life. You got Judas. Judas went up, kissed Jesus. The Romans arrested him. He betrayed Jesus into the hands. Then you've got Peter who the same night, just hours earlier, had denied he even knew Jesus. Now, betraying, that's bad. Acting like you don't even know somebody, that's bad. That's, that's in other words, I know that Judas was destined to do what he did, and, and we look at this situation, but yet the response, Judas was filled with remorse and went out and hung himself. Peter was full of repentance and was restored with Jesus. See, there was a folly. Both of them stumbled over Jesus. But one of them fell, the other one rose. What, you know, what about you? You know of people that have stumbled upon Jesus and have fallen. But what about you? Have you truly rose? And then it says, he was destined and there will be opposition. We know that in our culture. We know there's the opposition towards Jesus. And then lastly, look at, um, look at what he says to Mary. A sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Write this down as the last point. The purpose of the crib is the cross. The purpose of the crib is the cross. You remember what Simeon was speaking to Mary. 
that he is going to continually pierce your heart. Purposeful? No, it was just his life. And you may remember on the cross that Mary is there. And Jesus is taking care of his mom to the very end. But her heart is pierced with all these things that have happened. Listen, it's hard for us to imagine the little baby in our nativities that you see in yards and you see under trees and you see everywhere that that infant was destined for a cruel cross. But he was born, hear me, this is hard to accept, but he was born to go to that cross for us. And we must respond. The shadow of the cross was over that crib. And he was going to go to that cross. So the purpose of the crib was the cross. That's hard for people to accept. But yet it is the truth. I have some questions. And these are just for you to apply today. First one is this. What is the biggest distraction, personally, that takes your eyes off Jesus? What is the biggest distraction? Is it busyness? Is it you don't care? Is it apathy? I mean, what is your biggest distraction that takes your eyes off of Jesus? Secondly, second question is this. Who are you currently praying for that they might come to Jesus? I mean, who are you currently praying for that they may come to Jesus? And and if you're praying for no one that does not know Christ or has wandered away from Christ, if there's nobody on your heart, shame on all of us. We are called to be disciples and we're called to make disciples and we're called to love people into the kingdom, even love our enemies. And so we must pray that God would soften the soil of their heart so that they may receive and respond to the gospel. And the third question is this. How's your hunger for Jesus right now? I mean, I mean right now. If you were to take a continuum and this end of the continuum is, uh, I, I don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. And the other end of the continuum is, man, we're, we're as close as the next breath. Where do you hit in that continuum? I mean, is there, is there no or very little desire or is there a hunger that is developed? I can tell you this. If there's not a hunger, I'm not going to blame it on him. I look within myself. God, why is that not there? What am I feasting on that is not you? So how's your hunger for Jesus right now? I end with this. Because I think this is what we're called. Robert Louis Stevenson, who uh, wrote Treasure Island and other books that you may have read, when he was a young man, he had an illness and he was bedridden. And uh, he was, his bed was in a certain place that when he looked out the window, he could see the downtown streets. He had a nurse there, and one night she saw him consumed looking out the window, and she asked, Robert, what do you see out the window? And he turned, and what he was seeing was, he was seeing the man at dusk 
whose job was to light the gas street lamps that would light up the street. And as he was watching him, she asked, Robert, what are you watching? And he said this. He said, I'm watching a man poke holes in the darkness. What God did through Jesus, he not only poked holes, he came as the light of the world. But there are many people today that are walking in darkness. You know them on a daily basis. You and me are called to poke holes in the darkness so that they may see the light. My prayer for all of us this Christmas that we can be a weary world that rejoices because the light of the world has come and we want others to know it.